Welcome to the Public Speaking Experts Podcast with Elliot Kay and Jose Yukar. Every week we bring the tips, tools, and strategies for you to become a world-class public speaker. We bring you guests, experts, and authorities in the field of public speaking to enrich you and enhance your public speaking journey. Remember to subscribe, rate, and comment. And now, please welcome your hosts, Elliot and Jose. Okay. So, Jose, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Guess, guess. You're excited. You're excited. You're excited. I'm excited. Are you excited? I I really am so excited. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. Yeah, I'm like super excited. I mean, I'm so excited. I cannot, I was going to say something. I cannot keep it within me. So I was going to say I cannot (laughs) keep it somewhere else. But yeah, I'm so excited that that's me. That's how excited I am. You can't contain it. Is that what exactly? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say. I cannot contain it. You're not keeping it within you. That's kind of got different connotation to it. Yeah, which is pretty much linked to what I was going to say. Well, that's the unconscious, and then the conscious held me from saying it. So, yes, uh, I'm containing it, but not anymore. I'm very, very excited. It is, I am super wow. excited. You know why I'm excited? Why are you excited, Elliot? You want to share with the audience? we have an incredible guest today on the Public Speaking Expert podcast. Who would that be, Elliot? And before you say something, is this going to be like a huge revelation? Are we just going to start shouting about it, or are we just going to say it quietly? I don't know. How would you like to play it? <laughs> uh, I think I think this name deserves like me to shout. Okay. The name. <laughs> I, I think she's sitting there going, "What have I let myself into?" Oh, More than anything, she's, she's just trouble. cracking out. Are we going to actually reveal? She's like, "What did I agree to?" I think we had that with our previous guest, by the way, who just sat there going, "What is this?" In a good way, of course. <laughs> Um, should, I know we're making this all mysterious. So do, do you want to intro her? Say, do you want to intro? Intro? Do you want to intro? Intro. Intro. And I'm going. Well, first of all, we met on Clubhouse. She's become a great influence, a very positive influence in our Elliot and Jose show daily room on Clubhouse. And then I personally had the opportunity to learn a lot from her. She is great at writing. She's a great speaker as well. She's a Forbes uh, published author, should I say? Is that right to say? There is a book that has come out very recently. And coming I'm not going Oh, is it coming out? Okay, because I've coming seen out. something on LinkedIn is kind of there. Okay, so I'm as, not going to As we're recording it, it's coming out. It's coming out. By the out. time okay. people listen to it, it's coming out. Then it's out. Okay, beautiful. A bit like and... what you can't contain. Yeah, exactly. I'm containing it still. I'm full of containment today. This is why I'm going to let it all out. Welcome to the Public Speaking Experts podcast, Dr. Ruth Gautier. If nothing else, we've made your day, guys. Oh, my God. I don't think I've laughed this hard in a long long time mm-hmm. and you did all that in five minutes way to go there way we go, go. mic drop moment pow dr rigotien <laughs> you are a legend thank you so much for coming on this podcast i'm super excited to pick your incredible brains uh, and hear the because we've had the privilege of hearing you speak on clubhouse and what you share and the depth of knowledge that you have so I'm so happy that our listeners will get to hear that too. And of course, you've got your book coming out. So I can't wait for you to share all about that as well. So do you want to give us a little kind of like vocal bio? Oh, that's a cool name. A vocal <laughs> a bio. Vocal, vocal bio. bio. Yeah, um, baby. 
I, I was just on the phone. I had to give a, a talk early this morning and, and somebody was asking me about the introduction. I said, you know, I really hate those introductions, especially when I'm sitting there as somebody introduces me. I always feel like I'm listening to my own eulogy. It's really weird, right? It's eulogy. really uncomfortable. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Sinister. But um, I look, I geek out with you guys during my <laughs> commute and I am really excited to be able to do that. My name is Dr. Ruth Gotian. I study extreme high achievers such as astronauts and Nobel Prize winners and Olympic champions and Fortune 500 CEOs to figure out what has made them so successful and how the rest of us can achieve that success. So I wrote the book, The Success Factor. I talk about high achievers and the success factor all the time. I write about it for Forbes and Psychology Today. Uh -huh. And just, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago, um, I was named the, I don't know if you guys know this, I was named I the number one emerging management thinker in the world by Thinkers no. 50. Wow. It was a virtual event. So I just, you guys are the first to see it. I got wow. my, um, see it? I see just it? got the award that <gasps> came. Um, Wait, whoa, this is whoa, it. Whoa. it is Yay. heavy, by the way. It is really heavy. <laughs> they, oh my gosh! Thank you for sharing that with us and showing us your trophy. That's incredible. Well done it's, and well deserved. Uh, thank you. It's it's um you know I'm talking I'm writing an article for Forbes about where I'm talking to the winners. They have distinguished achievement awards and they have an overall ranking and I'm reaching out to some of the winners of those just to ask them how they came up with their idea, right? Mm. Their idea they have really devoted their life to. And it's, the stories are really, really interesting. And it's not unlike what we talk about on your show, right? How do people mm. come with their signature talk with their idea of what they are known for? So I'm I'm known if you Google my name probably for high achievers and mentoring. That's usually what I talk about the most. Well, well, thank you for giving us your time, especially now you're like extra, extra, like you, know, <laughs> you have an official extra title as if you didn't have enough. Uh, so well done and congratulations. So I'm going to kick you. off with my first question because you know we're delving into high performers, which is what you do, who and a lot of them speak. Um, but when we unpack them, they all have four key ingredients in common and I would love you to discuss them because you've discussed them on our show and I'm just blown away by them every time you talk about them so I would love you to share that here oh sure so I actually did my doctoral dissertation on high achievers so when I tell you I study this I really really study this um so all of the extreme high achievers had four things in common. And what's important to note is that these are not habits because you cannot copy someone else's habits. I am a very early morning person. I, if you're a night owl, you wake up, you go to sleep at 3 a.m. I wake up at 5 a.m. You're not going to be able to copy my habits just like I can't copy yours. But right. what we can emulate are the mindsets, right? So this is, this is the four, the four mindsets that all of the extreme high achievers have. The first thing is they have tapped into what we call intrinsic motivation. This is the fire in the belly, what they love to do, what they would do for free if they could. This is the reason that they jump out of bed in the morning. And it's the reason they have a hard time falling asleep at night because they can't quiet their mind because this is what they're thinking about all the time. 
It's mm-hmm. not for external validation. It's not for the awards, the promotions, the diplomas, the certificates, all of that. That's when other people judge you. That's when you fail out or burn out. But when it comes from within, then you know that that's, you're going to go, no matter the challenge, you're going to continue doing it. So for example, if you know somebody who, God forbid, suffered from cancer, you don't want anyone else to have to go through that. And if your idea is to find a treatment or a prevention for cancer, you're going to do whatever it takes. That's your fuel. Even on the days that the experiments aren't working or um, you don't get the grant or your publication was rejected, right? That's if you're a scientist, you're still going to do it now because you're intrinsically motivated. That's number one. Number two is you're going to outwork everyone. You have that perseverance, that resiliency, that grit, that tenacity, all of those words. Because when you love something like that, you're not doing it, as we said, for that diploma or the Nobel, right? Nobody quit doing science just because they won the Nobel Prize. They continue to do it because this is what they were put on this earth to do. So they are going to Mm. work harder than everyone. Doesn't mean they're going to work 80 hours a week or 60 hours a week. It means they're going to leverage every minute and milk every ounce of productivity they can. The third one is they have a really strong foundation, which they're constantly reinforcing. So let's talk about athletes, right? The same warmups that they do at the NBA are the same warmups you would see in any seventh grade gym. Same warmups, just the NBA players have better sneakers. That's all. And <laughs> last but not least, and better salaries. <laughs> And last but not least is that the high achievers don't ever feel that they have all the answers or that they know everything. They're actually continuously learning and they're learning from people who are different than them at different, um, different fields, different industries, different age groups, different um, parts of the hierarchy. So those are the four, the intrinsic motivation, perseverance, strong foundation, and continuous learning through informal means. Now, now, knowing what these four things are, half the battle, knowing how to apply them, mm-hmm. that's the other part. And that's where I use my adult learning training. And that's really what I teach people when I give talks. And that's what I wrote about in the success factor. And it's really how do you take these things and put them in your own life, realizing that, Elliot, what works for you may not work for you, Jose, because mm-hmm. you're different people. And what Mm -hmm. works for you today may not work for you when you have a transition, a move, a child, a new job, a pandemic. So you need to have options. Adults like options. So I give a lot of options. It's a buffet of options that you can pick from to learn how to um, be more productive, how to tap into your intrinsic motivation, how to build that strong foundation, how with the different ways that you can learn informally. That's it in a nutshell. Well, so there we go. There's the whole book in a nutshell. This is why you, you must rush out and buy it, right? Um, <laughs> Jose. What do you want from me, Elliot? Do you want me to talk to you've Dr. Got your, you're doing your question, Bob. I can tell yeah. there's a question brewing. It's funny because well, I, 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 get, I can I get always see Dr. Ruth. He's got to tell. He does this little bop when he's got a question. Apparently, I go, I'll go like this when I have a question. I mean, yeah, he's and thinking, so I just know thinking. it's coming. So go on. Over to you, Mr. Jose Ucar. Thank you very much, Dr. Ruth. I, I love those four core elements, and I cannot wait for your book to be out and buy it as well. So people listening to this, start queuing and get ready when this book is launched. 
Dr. Ruth, my question is more around the writing that you do in order to position you as an authority. So for speakers and people that want to become speakers listening to the episode or episode, should I say today? Like we did that. I <laughs> love it. Come on. What would you suggest as the steps, you know, as a, well, yeah, as the steps they need to follow or you would recommend they follow in order to start writing copies like the ones you do that position you as the authority in your field. And I'm not saying that write about what you write about, but you catch my drift. Oh, I totally do. Look, this took years in the making. Um, I'm an academic, I'm a faculty member, so I write in a lot of academic journals. But regular people don't read academic journals. They're long, they're boring, there's data, there's, <laughs> you know, I love it, but most people, it's not their idea of a good time. So I quickly realized that I, in order to reach these large, massive groups, I needed to find a way to distill that information in a way that people are able to consume it. And I actually had an idea um, that I wanted to talk to a friend of mine, and she was writing in an academic journal, but in the professional development section of an academic journal called Nature, which is actually based in the UK. It's a big scientific journal. And my first article was with her. And her name is Dr. Ushma Neal. And I love the process. And I, she has written there before. I thought it was brilliant. And I just soaked everything I could from her and just learning how to write in this style. And then I wanted to write another paper about networking for introverts. And I went up to her and we laughed at this story. I said, you know, I'd really like to write it with you because I'd never written by myself ever. And she said, mm, no, this is really more your field, not mine. Why don't you pitch it as a solo? And she says that I turned white as snow <laughs> because I panicked because I had never written anything myself. So um, I pitched it and it was rejected. Hmm. And then I get an email from another editor saying, um, I'd like to talk to you about this networking for introverts article. Could we, you know, bring it back to life? Anyway, brought it back to life. It was my most popular article ever. Wow. I met oh. with that original editor who rejected me. Um, and Did she said, I'm Go, ha, ha. kicking myself. <laughs> um, because at one point it was in the top 1% of all um, articles. I got many talks from it, et cetera. And actually it's my one and only article that I've ever framed because oh, wow. I was rejected first. And that was an important lesson. Well, after that, I have been just constantly every two months or so pitching new articles and new ideas for them. And I've written over a dozen articles for Nature. Well, that was really important because I had a goal. I was always writing for the academic community. I wanted to write in a more lay journal such as Forbes. And um, during the pan early in the pandemic, I reached out to someone. We wrote a paper about a different topic. They said, what's your goal? I said, I want to write for Forbes. They said, oh, we know somebody who writes for Forbes. They introduced me to her. She introduced me to the editor. And that opened the door for me to actually apply. So I applied. Um, I gave you know everything they wanted, the interview. But what they wanted was um, about a dozen 
pieces that I had written previously to similar types of audiences, similar types of mm. articles. And all those nature articles I wrote became my writing samples. And then from there, it was Psychology Today and Harvard Business Review and, and all of that. But it was really partnering with someone first, trying something myself, getting it down with one journal, trying another, and then another. And then there was Scientific American in there at some point. And keep going. We'll see what's next. I, I love that. Elliot, I've got one more, which is very much related Before to this. Before you, you ask that question, I don't want to get any, any ideas of the whole started with someone and then, you know, went by myself. No, not enough. No. <laughs> no, but I want to tell <laughs> you, we're really actually still talking about writing together again. We're, we're going back. <laughs> She's always been my favorite writing partner. <laughs> Go on, Jose. Over to you. Well, uh, I've read many of your articles, especially since I've been uh, listening to you on Clubhouse, so then I go and check some of them on LinkedIn or on Instagram, and I really like it because for a reason, it's just not every time, but on many occasions, when I go and read them, it is something that I'm missing or I need at that point in my life. So it can, I mean, I find them very Aww. current, very relatable as well. So I'm thinking, I mean, and as I'm sure, as it happens to me, it must be happening with many people because then they're positioning positioning you as that authority as well. How do you come about the titles? Uh, well, the topics. The titles are next, but the topics. How do you know how? Because I'm I'm curious about the strategy. How do you think about it? And yeah. now this is what I'm going to be speaking of next. So the topics, I actually have a running list of of topics. I have a Google Doc with every time I think of a topic, I add to it. But what I want to do is things that are more current and urgent right now. And I actually, this is where the listening comes in. What are people talking about right now? So what are they talking in the hallways, in the office? What are the topics that they are asking me questions about after talks? What are the issues that are hot topic issues that I see people writing or reacting or engaging with on LinkedIn or Clubhouse? And that really gives me a lot of the ideas for topics. And then the other thing is, um, for example, I wrote about Thinkers 50, the, the gala, because it just happened. And it was an experience like I had never seen because these are the top competitors in the world and they're really close friends, which to me, I had never seen anything like that. I, I still can't wrap my head around it. So that's why that was very timely. Um, but I think that's really how I do it. So when I, if it's the summer Olympics, I'm writing about Olympians, winter Olympics, I'm going to write about winter Olympians. Okay. And that's really how I pick the topics It's what is it that people are talking about? What's in the news right now? And then in between, I have this whole list of other topics that, um, I want to write about. In addition, I am, you can see behind me, I have a ton of books. I mm -hmm. read 70 to hundred books a year. Wow. I love reading. So I very often, if there's a new book that's come out, I will write about a specific lesson that came out of that book. Okay. And what's nice is that I have now access to all of these authors. So I will reach out to them for a quote or something. So you get to hear directly from the authors. So that's how I pick the topics. Amazing strategy. There you go, Elliot. So hopefully you get to learn something new today, buddy. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you, Dr. Maybe. Ruth. Maybe. I'm definitely I'm definitely the the fourth of the four principles that I definitely don't think I know it all and I'm always hungry to learn from other experts. So yes, absolutely. Before I come back to my question, now we got Dr. Ruth dancing. Uh, yeah. Uh.
now with Gunner. Yeah. Just, just remind you want, everybody. Do you want to hear something very funny, Elliot? Do you want yes, to hear something very funny it. about that music? Go in on. the Thinkers 50, the biggest management thinking gala in the world, as they brought people up for different awards, there was music like that. So there was a bunch of us backstage. So here I am with the former CEO of Best Buy and the CEO of Netflix and, you know, um, uh, Amy Edmondson of Psychological State. All of us are in the backstage and we're all like bopping our heads around as the music's <laughs> going. We had this whole little party in the back. Oh, sounds good. I like it. Well, we're having a little party right here and even you started bopping your head. So that's good news. That's right. So that was just to remind everybody we're listening to the Public Speaking Expert podcast. And today we're interviewing Dr. Ruth Gautien. Uh, of course, if you love what you hear, if you like what you hear, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a beautiful comment. And if you do so, we will send you a copy of Dr. Ruth's book. I mean, sorry, I mean my book, my book. We'll send you a copy of my book to say thank you very much for the comment. We have to send us a picture. Of course, follow us on Instagram as well, The Elliot and Jose Show. And if you want a taster of us live, you can join us on Clubhouse Daily at 12 o'clock UK time. So let's carry on. So my question for you, Dr. Ruth Gautien, is how did you... How did you go from writer to speaker? Where did that surface from? Because now you speak a lot, you get paid. So for those out there, you know, I've written five books. I mean, I don't write as many articles as you. That's probably because I'm dyslexic and I find writing really hard, hence me being a speaker. I'm not You're saying- You're not dyslexic. All... You have dyslexia. Okay. I have dyslexia. There we go. <laughs> um, and I know there's plenty of dyslexic people that write beautifully. I'm just not one of them. Uh, I speak instead. So how did you make that transition or how did speaking start to get onto your radar for those who do write? And they're like, hey, I want to get into speaking. You know, I'm I'm, I'm the copy of Dr. Ruth Gautier just not her. How do I now open that door? That's what I'd love to hear from you. So for me, I think as an academic, the speaking came first. But when I was considered an authority on the topic is after I started writing. Mm -hmm. And the writing really, I think, connected me with a lot of readers. And most of the talks that I get are because people have read my articles. And they say, oh, can you talk on this topic? Can you talk about this topic? Because as Jose said, when he asked me, how do you come up with the topics? These are the topics people are talking about. This is what people are engaging with. This is what is top of mind. So it is as a result of those articles that I have gotten to give talks in some incredible places. Um, the, the most fun one recently was the Brazilian National Academy of Medicine, where I'm speaking in English and everyone else is speaking in Portuguese and my <laughs> Portuguese is almost non-existent. And one of the people was translating for me in the chat, which was so fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was great. But um, I think the writing is what made me that quote unquote authority on a topic because it's based on research and the, the speaking really, really came from that. Because as I always say in the, in the room, you need to be known as the expert in the room. The expert in the room means that you know something more than the other people. It doesn't take that much more to do. You have just researched something. You've read a few articles. You've spoken to some people. You've read a few books. You, no one is asking you to be the world expert. You just are the person who can teach them at least one thing that they don't already know. And if and more often than not, that is enough. Now, what people don't understand is that within their industry, before they bring in an outside speaker, they're going to bring in one of their own. And when they bring in one of their own who knows the topic, right? So let's say you're an accountant 
and they're mm -hmm. going to have their big their big annual meeting and they want to uh, talk about work-life balance before they bring in an outside speaker to talk about work-life balance they're going to bring in an accountant who can give a talk about work-life balance and if you can become the expert in the room about that they're going to call on you to give that talk first because you understand this group you understand their vernacular you understand their pain points you speak to them Right. So and how much push out do you, I mean, because you're very established now, so I'm wondering how much push you need to give for your articles and stuff, because you got a following, you're very established. Let's talk about the beginning part. I mean, let's dial back a few. Like, did you have to like properly hustle and push it out and push it out till you got to that tipping point? Or have you always yeah. been very lucky and everything you do just beautifully surfs the waves of success? You know, <laughs> luck is when preparation and opportunity meet. Me. Yeah. When I when I finished my doctorate and really wanted to start talking about high achievers and success, nobody really knew who I was in that field. And I was just, as I said, pimping my work around. I really reached out to every single person who I knew. And I said, look, I just did all of this research. I'd love to give a talk at your institution about it. <laughs> My first talk was at Harvard Medical School with all the deans in the front row. Wow. That was the first talk. Wow. And you know what? If I could survive that, I could survive just about anything. Pretty and much. And from there, there were other people in that audience who invited me to other places. And also when I told people I just spoke at Harvard Medical School about this topic, well, that all of a sudden gave me this legitimacy. And I was able to give talks at other places. And then I said, who else do you think would be interested in this? And then it just snowballed from there. Love it. So yeah, total hustle. Total hustle. Jose. Oh, Dr. Ruth, I'm going to go back to research. What would you say are the keys? And this is where my question is coming from. As you know, we've spoken about the accents angle to not changing your accent, embracing it. That's a talk I've been working on for a while. I deliver different versions of it. But now I really want to do some serious research by myself in order to provide different <sighs> data and new data, which is similar to what you share. <gasps> yeah, exactly. And You're leaving one of the me. No, <laughs> what are talking about? He's not leaving you. He's not leaving you because you know what? I did my research. I did my doctorate while working full time and raising a family. So, Jose, you can do this research while you are still doing everything with Elliot K. Absolutely. <laughs> and then, you know, this research is only going to enhance what we do together as well. So I get to That's understand right. where you're coming from, really, Elliot, and, you know, put myself <laughs> in your shoes and everything else. <laughs> so my question, Dr. Ruth, what would you say are the steps, logical steps for me, for me and for people to follow that want to do a research for their talk? Or articles. So, so the first thing is, what is the what is the question that you want answered? What is the problem you are trying to solve? The I do qualitative research, which means I talk to people. I don't just look at data. So, like a talk, it's very similar. What is the problem you are trying to solve? You come up with that first, and then based on that, you decide which format you are going to use in order to get your data. Are you going to do interviews? Are you going to do focus groups? Are you going to do observations? Are you going to look at archival data, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you want me to wear my academic hat, I'm going to say you need one primary and 
one primary and two secondary sources to affirm or disaffirm what you're doing. We can talk a whole lot. Um, actually, my talk this morning was about qualitative research, so it's definitely <laughs> top of mind. Um, but you can we can definitely talk about how you come up with the questions, et cetera. And then you need to code all of that. Then you need to transcribe all of that. Then you need to come up with the results and conclusions. Then you need to actually publish it all. Um, in in some sort of journal that's legitimate, and then then you're on to greatness. There you go. Okay. My okay. wife's a quali, by the way, Doctor Ruth. Is she? Yeah, that's what she does. She's a qualitative she... researcher. Oh, Jose! Now you know who to partner with. That that's true, Elliot. You mentioned that today, so I'm I'm glad I brought that question up. Sometimes you need to hear it a couple of times for you know the mind to take in. It just proves yeah. it never listens to me. That's that's what that's well, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can imagine every and now you every want to abandon me, Dr. Ruth. I start getting <laughs> messages from him 6 a.m. in the morning, and then he calls me names and things. So at some point, I had to tune out. What was the other question? There was another question. Oh, uh, goodness, we Elliot, there was a good question. Ah, uh, okay, I don't well. call you at six o'clock in the morning. No, you don't call me. You, you send me messages, exactly. So voice notes and things. Well, yeah, I do too. In response, just to he defend myself. You don't need to listen. <laughs> that, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Right. So, does the question come back to you? It will. It will come back. It will come back in a moment. It was regarding the research one. Yeah. No, it hasn't come back yet. So over to you, Elliot. Okay. But you know what? I want to say something to what Elliot said before. Hmm. Which one? Um, because you know, with the dyslexia. Oh yeah. I, I actually think that's a strength. Yes. Right. Because you have to use different, different ways. And there's actually now artificial intelligence. And I know a lot of people who write complete books this way. I do better by sitting and typing. The ideas come in my head. I can't type fast enough. And other people are better at speaking. Mm -hmm. So they actually speak it into a software such as otter.ai and mm -hmm. it transcribes it for them. Yeah. And that's actually a solution for people who have what to say and want to write a book, but they have various challenges. Maybe it's dyslexia. Maybe it's time. Maybe they don't know how to type. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. So there are other tools that can be used for you to get your message out. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, I, I never let it stop me. I have written five books. So, yeah. you know, I haven't. I haven't You're legit. Let... There you go. That's, I'm trying. That's three I'm more trying. than me. Elliot, that's three no more competition. than me. Well, yeah, but I've written five books. You've written one and you're in four. So I think you kind of trump that. <laughs> like anything I've written kind of trumps all my efforts. Right, it's okay, in, in guys. I haven't, no, I, haven't written, I haven't written a book yet, so it's okay. Stop the competition here. <laughs> I will I will write, though, it's once I finish this research. It's not a competition. It's just not a competition. whatever you want to call it. The question came came back, which was, how many people do I, in terms, because I was thinking about interviewing, for example. So how much of a sample of data do I need? How big does it have to be? How many people do I need to interview? And I know this is getting very specific. Dr. Ruth, I made, you know, touch base offline again, and then with Emily as well. No, she doesn't want to talk to you. Okay. Well, yeah, she's been texting <laughs> me as well. 4 a.m. in the morning for different reasons. But that's a, that, my wife is not very happy about that, Dr. Ruth. I'm married, happily married, but this is what I have to put up with. Anyway, going back to the question. So uh, qualitative research, the sample sizes are significantly smaller because you get what we call data saturation at much lower points. Data saturation means I already know what you're going to say before you even say it. So when I've reached that point, you do a couple more after that, two or three or four more interviews, just to make sure that you really did, in fact, hit data saturation. 
Now, that's if you want to do a whole qualitative study. If you just want to write a book and give anecdotal evidence to things, just, you know, pick six friends who have done incredible things and you can do that. You don't have to go through the entire qualitative research, okay. um, you know, that, that you're doing. It depends, it depends what your goal is. Okay, cool. So would you say maybe if I interviewed 20, 30 people, would that be good? It depends on enough? the research question. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've seen people do around 20. But it really Fantastic. depends on the research question. You hit data saturation and then two to three after that. Thank you very now much. Now you say that, you know, it's interesting, um, Dr. Ruth Gautier, um, is I've season never had someone call me by my whole name. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that means it's an official, nice. it's an official thought. Right? <laughs> or I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recorded a whole season on my other podcast, Voice for Good. I did a whole season on confidence. And I never realized that was the term by after, and I must have interviewed over 40 people. And by the 20th, you, you're right. I knew what they were going to say. And I was just like, and the only reason I carried it through is because I committed to interviewing them and people and I, and I carried it and I did the whole season. But by the end, I knew the answers. I knew what they're going to say. I was like, you can tell the ones I was really, because they're really short. I'm like, okay, thanks, bye. And that was that for that. So I never knew I had an actual term for it. So my question for you this, as we start to wrap up, I mean, we could probably talk to you for hours and you've probably got better things to do than have us you know, talk to you for hours. What would be your advice for people like yourself or you know, maybe a few steps behind they've got something phenomenal at the palm of their hands and they want to get it out there. Maybe they're finding doors are locked. Maybe they, they don't think they have the opportunity. What would be your advice to those people? What would you say to them? Cause you've been there, you've done it, you've knocked down doors, you've been rejected, you've bounced back. What would you say to our listeners who might be going through that? So you're right. I had a lot of doors close to me. Um, and as my son tells me, you built new doors. And it's really, you know, it's the doors that are closed to you are, are one person's way of doing things. So create your own way, right? I work in healthcare. I, I'm a faculty member. I write in academic journals, but I also write in Forbes. That's a really unusual combination. And I think it's because of that that I get so many invitations to speak because it is so unique. There's so many people who do one or the other, but not both. So I think surrounding yourself with mentors who can really guide you, none of this would have happened if at the beginning of the pandemic, I was in the, my first of five quarantines. And during that quarantine, um, I was literally locked in the master bedroom. So no one else would potentially get sick. And in one week I wrote the draft for six articles and I reached out to other people who I knew were quarantining. And I said, do you want to partner on an article? Because these are people who were well above me, never would have given me the time of day, but they're stuck at home, right? This is April, 2020. So um, I reached out to them and they said, sure. And I knew I had to over deliver. I knew I had to knock their socks off on this. And it, and you know, we did it. And then they said to me, and this is what made the difference. What's next for you? What would mm. you like to do next? If they would not have asked that question, and if I didn't have an answer ready, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. 
So it's knowing, always having another goal and another goal and another goal. You remember I told you about that perseverance? There's always mm -hmm. an aspiration of what you want to do next, what you want to do next, what you want to do next. And it's, you know, all of these people who I interviewed, the, the Nobel Prize winners, the Olympians, they always tell me it was never about the medal. That's a chapter in their lives. It's not the entire story. So always have in your mind a table of contents with the chapters of where you would like to go next and always being able to see that and always having a plan and surrounding yourself with people who can give you that perspective, give you that push, maybe even open the doors for you. Mm. That's how you, that's how you succeed. And then you that's outwork amazing. everyone. Thanks. So build your own doors, find your uniqueness, persevere, and know your next step. I love that. Dr. Ruth, I feel like I have so many more questions, so we could take this podcast to three hours <laughs> if you like. So I'm going to stop. I'm not going to ask any more questions, Elliot. Um, I'm complete for now. I do want to say thank you so much, Dr. Ruth, because once more, you are enriching our lives with your knowledge, with the way in which you do things and everything that you do on a daily basis. So it is an honor for us to have you on the podcast and people listening to this the first thing I would say to you, go and connect with Dr. Ruth on LinkedIn, on Instagram, read those articles that we've been speaking about and reach out to her. And I'm sure we'll give Dr. Ruth the opportunity now to say a bit more. So to plug herself, Elliot, anything else before Dr. No, Ruth goes and shares? beautifully into it. Over yeah. you, Dr. Ruth, how do people you, find Ruth. out, reach out? What do they do? Oh, thank you. First of all, I yes, I'd love to connect with people on LinkedIn and by all means, please start writing your thoughts, your professional thoughts on LinkedIn, because I do read that. And that gives me the ideas for many of the articles. Um, as you guys mentioned, you know, how do I come up with the topics? And when I see um, somebody who writes something that I find really powerful, I'll write about the topic and I will often reach out to that person and ask them for a quote so they can get featured in these big journals. So um, definitely do that. Don't just be somebody on the sidelines. I'd love to connect with you guys. All the social media is just my name, Ruth Gotian. My website is just my name, ruthgotian.com. <laughs> and the book is called The Success Factor. Wherever you love buying books, that's where it's sold. Um, and if you want to know where in the world you can get it, just go to ruthgotian.com slash book or books. And um, <laughs> you'll see all the places all over the world. We just did it this weekend, all over the world where you can buy it. Wow. RuthGotian.com slash book, I think. <clears throat> Amazing. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge, your insights. And Jose's right. We could spend hours doing this podcast, but, you know, we, some of us have lives. Jose doesn't, but you and I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I, haven't, I haven't got anything to do, so I'm just going to be here. I'm going to start drinking these vitamins that I've been given. <laughs> You're not allowed to plug them. No, no, I'm not. I only said the vitamins. No, no one knows. Ah, we'll see about that. Brilliant. Well, listen, people, thank you very much for tuning to another amazing episode of the Public Speaking Expert podcast. You've heard it here. Have that intrinsic motivation inside continuous. What keeps you up at night and what do you wake up thinking about? It's not about the medal. It's one chapter. It's not about that trophy. What's beyond that? What is way beyond that? Be humble. Know that you always need to learn. Surround yourself with incredible mentors and experts. Build your own doors. Keep going and find your uniqueness. What an incredible episode. Thank you so much again, Dr. Ruth Cotillard, for you, being Dr. here Ruth. today. From us to you, make sure you're seen, you're heard, and you're out there 
not only being a great speaker, but speaking your greatness. You've been listening to the Public Speaking Experts Podcast with Elliot Kay and Jose Ucar. Follow us on Instagram and join us next week for even more. Remember to always speak your greatness. Subscribe, rate, and comment.